Hello, I hope you're all doing well today, this afternoon. As always, I'm Micah Dozer, and this will be our fourth roundtable chat. Um, joining me in just a moment will be Pastor Ron Dozer. And when he gets here, I will discuss what topic we are going to be discussing. And we have... Sorry, something just caught me off guard. Pastor Ron's iPad, which has the stream on, also has the volume volume on for it, but here he is now joining me. There you go. I turned it off for you. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, okay. Welcome, everybody, to our fourth round of uh, roundtable chat. Um, Micah, are you getting ready here, which yeah. we're going to need? Yeah, I'm good. So <clears throat> today what we are going to be discussing is college. And there are a couple subtopics that we will discuss about college. Um, something I want to talk and discuss is, is college really needed and what are some alternatives to for it? Is it as this society is projecting to us, if you don't go to college, you won't be successful. You have to go to college. Mm. Is that narrative really true? And then if you do go to college, you know, just we're going to briefly discuss, you know, maybe you should try and find a Christian college or what are some things that you should do to prepare for college. Um, I think gap years are a great idea. Regardless of whether you're going to be going into college or not, you should definitely, you know, spend some time, save some money, get an idea of what it's really like in the adult world instead of just getting right into college. Can you explain what a gap year is? So what a gap year is, and it can be plural, gap years, <laughs> a gap year is typically from the time you graduate high school, usually about a year, to when you enter in college. And that can be, um, typically it's, you, you know, you work a job and you save money, but it can also be, you know, you go hiking in the Netherlands and Europe or doing something fun, but that's not what we're encouraging. I don't think the Netherlands are going to let us go in. Or you could come to in. Arrowhead and do some work, right? Yeah. It's just a year to, or several years, to work hard, um, get into the adult world, and save some money. And, yeah, save some money. And then lastly, I want to talk about what's actually taught at college. And I don't mean, you know, if you go to uh, medical school or to law school, we're not going to be discussing laws that you will learn or how a lower court will appear to a higher court. I want to, no, I want to speak on what you will be taught by your professors, the people in academia, you know, different types of um, indoctrination, as it would be called, some new ideas um, that, aren't, that are not supporting this, what we know as Christians and as conservatives. They're not pushing forward something that is logical or you know, that supports the nuclear family and just different things like that. So so those are our topics. And then at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, voting mm -hmm. and responsibility to vote and uh, what our responsibility is as a believer. Um, and so we'll take a look at that. That'll be interesting. And we're uh, just encouraging people to uh, vote. And not voting is voting. voting. Yes. So uh, that's always the misnomer, and what if I don't like this guy, and this and that, and uh, so we'll talk about that today. So let's get into our first topic, that of college, mm -hmm. 
and how, Micah, that has changed from, let's just give it a date, since 1950. We were talking yeah. about that earlier. Uh, from 1950 on um, through the 60s, what that looked like far as an education, uh, the value of education back mm -hmm. then, and then today, where is it... Um, are you getting the same value that you did before? Or is it because we have, as a nation, pointed so many people who may not uh, or who uh, aren't supposed to go to college yeah. uh, that we have uh, reduced its uh, value upon an individual? Yeah. So college um, was never meant for the masses. And what I mean by that... It, it's now, not, but that's not what they say today. No. The, right. the idea is that if you do not go to college, you will not succeed, succeed in life. Uh, thankfully, that is not the system we have. We are in a capitalistic, well, free market society, Thank I should you. say. A free market society encourages entre entrepreneurship, trade jobs, trade skills. Yes, going to college. Um, but... College is, was never meant for the masses. It was meant for a small population of people in the society who would go to college to earn a new skill or earn a new set of skills so that they can pass that on to other people. That's and, why we have... Right. And it was specifically for a, a profession that you were going into mm -hmm. that required that, be it a doctor, a lawyer. And I was just thinking of that of like over in England with C.S. Lewis, mm -hmm. am I going to be a professor? These are some of the skills that I needed, but it wasn't for everybody because we had a wonderful other system in mm -hmm. place. So you had college, but you also had this other side. But when did that start changing? We would say probably the 60s when, mm -hmm. uh, and I know you're gonna talk about this because this is gonna be exciting, how the communism, mm -hmm. uh, the communistic view infiltrated not only the um, seminaries, but also the colleges system to start changing our view of, of what education looks like. Yes. So, as we just said, college was never meant for everyone. It was for, like Pastor Ron said, if you are going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, you know, and some certain skills you can either you can advance your education in that skill, whether it's culinary or you know plumbing, electrical, you can get a certificate. All that is fine. Um, so I'm not going to pick on liberal arts because I love the arts. I'm a huge lit literature fan. I enjoy art and poetry, but you don't necessarily need to go to college for one of those degrees. And there's nothing wrong for, with people who are in liberal arts because arts need to be taught. Sometimes they're even more important than STEM, you know, science, math, and technology. But if you, let's say, you know, you go and you get a degree in 16th century French art. I'm, you know, nothing wrong with that. The Renaissance period is really fun. I'm sure you can learn a lot about, you know, how art can be applied and different measures of art. But realistically, a degree in 16th century art probably isn't going to get you a job. Or the few job openings for 16th century art right. have already been occupied by the same person for the past 40 years. So realistically, getting that degree is not going to be smart. So when you go to college, it should be for a job 
that you will actually make use of that degree. Um, something that Charlie Kirk always says, the founder of Turning Point USA, he always says, what are you getting? You know, is it is it a piece of paper or are you getting a skill? Mm-hmm. You know, you're a psychiatrist. Okay, well, that's just a piece of paper. It says that you're a psychiatrist. What is your skill? Can you code? Can, are you a culinary arts student? Can you go cook in a high-end restaurant and make money? Do you know how to do masonry or carpentry or... Can you, tell, can you read this document for me and tell me what it means because I don't understand it, you know, because I'm not a lawyer? Can you fix my broken bones? What is your skill? Not a piece of paper. And there's nothing wrong with pieces of paper because there are still need for people, you know, who have that degree. But what is your skill? You know, what, what can you use that other people right. can't? And I think um, you bring up a valid point that I think a lot of people miss, and we're going to get to how we get to that place of figuring out a mm-hmm. major in college. But if the you, uh, if in the United States there are only twenty positions for that said job, sixteenth-century literature, then why in the world is there, th- you know, three thousand kids trying to take that class and get yeah. that major? That makes no sense. So, but there are universities. Uh, and specifically one that we know, Cedarville uh, in Ohio, that before you even are allowed uh, entrance into it, Mm -hmm. they have you take uh, not only an aptitude test, but kind of helping you tailor um, what your major is going to be. Because, Micah, most kids change their majors about three times. Mm -hmm. And I know that you said most people change their profession over their lifetime Six times. So why not let's prepare that before you get to university and before you get to college, if you knew exactly what your gifting by God is in that particular area, it would allow you to be a much more productive student, but also coming out of university with a degree that is actually going to help you for your for the rest of your life, rather than just having a liberal arts degree and then working at Burger King, Mm -hmm. right? Again, nothing against Burger King. We love the Whopper. So, um, but I want to kind of uh, see the shift. Boy, there's this topic is like unfolding a burrito, right? So many different things inside of it. Mm -hmm. But let's try to do something rationally here. So we've gone from the 50s where very few people or a percentage of the population. Then we get into the 60s, and we've got this influence of Marxism, of communistic views, anti-American view. And then we get further into it, where then the government uh, later on uh, becomes involved with uh, the loans that are used for it. And then it's promoted as, well, if you don't go to college, there A, it might be something wrong with you, and you're probably not as smart as the guy who had that. But I don't know about you. I, I've seen plenty of people with degrees, and I'm like, uh, I'm, I think, and I'm no genius, but I think I'm pretty smarter than you are yeah. uh, because I didn't go for four years and spend all that money. Yeah. So the, the idea of college, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm a fan of it. It's a place where you should go to get higher learning, higher education, and that's what it was intentionally designed for. Now, not so much, and we'll get into part of that later, but like you said, this um, 
it was actually even starting in the 1930s, where you had uh, ru communist Russians coming into the United States, whether they're KGB agents or, you know, they had political power and they're simply sent over to the U.S. And so what they would do is they infiltrated, like you said, the seminaries, they infiltrated the government, government agencies, um, but also the school systems, the colleges. And so over time, they were able to become, you know, speak more and more on communism and influence how things would be taught. And so now, which we will discuss later, you see this new kind of like learning and indoctrination and things that don't pertain to your degree, but you're still getting with your college experience. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason why maybe you shouldn't go to college. Um, but like I said, college as it should be is a great idea. It's just not everybody needs to go. Um, I have some statistics for us, which is my favorite thing. So this is um, from finder.com. So they, um, let me read it to you correctly. So a total of 53.2 million former students, college students, say they're unsure about the value of their degree. They're about, they make up about 40% of the 130 million Americans who have completed higher education. So this is 40%, this is what they have to say. So the majority says, so 40% of these 52 million people who went and got higher education said they are not using their degree. 28% says, I can't find a job in that field. Uh, why can't they find a job in that field? Because maybe the degree that they were going for had such a small, you know, Range amount, of openings. Yeah, amount of openings. There, you know, the demand was not as great as the supply. Because what's taught, though, is as long as you have a degree, then there should be a job for you. Yeah. Because I got a degree, so I should be able to get that job in 16th century literature. By the way, we are not um, picking picking on 16th century literature mm -hmm. people. We, I, I love literature. My dad's a reader. We're both readers. It's just that there isn't a huge need for... Right. You should look at what's the job availability for that degree. Yeah. And if... Uh, let, let me give you an example of that. Like, right now, we know that there is a shortage of pilots mm -hmm. and aircraft mechanics. Yeah. Because we're ending our life cycle of pilots, right? Yeah. And mechanics. Mm -hmm. So if I was somebody looking for work today, I would say, okay, well, what is the job market look like? Yeah. And what are the jobs um, out there that my de are a degree, not my degree, but a degree will help me get the best job? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe as a, uh, a pilot or an aircraft mechanic or somebody like that, I'm going to go towards those items that I can get my job at Boeing because I'm an engineer mm -hmm. or I'm a pilot or whatever. So, I'm looking at the list of, of careers and I'm saying, well, healthcare is up there mm -hmm. and this radiological tech is up there or this person uh, in internet skills and coding is, is. And I'm looking at, but I'm not looking at all of this just general uh, education. I'm yeah. really trying to focus on what is the great, greatest amount of need in our nation far as the market and does my... God-given talents and abilities fit into that well, right? Yeah. So, you know, you would you would want to get a job that you know 
that you are capable of doing. You know, if you were more of a math person, I probably wouldn't want you to get a job in the history field. You might not, you know, you probably wouldn't enjoy that as much. And as Christians, we all have a calling for our life. And so, you know, there is a job or a certain skill or something that God has for you. And regardless of whether that's 16th century, you know, French art or being a plane, airplane mechanic, you will do that. And so he will, he will take care of you regardless. But as a whole, you need to find you need to have a skill instead of a piece of paper or just a degree. We would say have a trade. Yeah, and we'll discuss trades in a moment. I want to finish with my statistics real quick. Um, so That's a big number, by the way. You said 43% are not no, using. 40%. 40% are not out using of the 53. their current degree in their life. Yeah, out of the 53 million people. That's a big out number. 40% of 53 million people, out of the 135 million people who have completed secondary or higher education are not using their degree. 28%, they can't find a job in that field. 13%, they have changed fields than the degree that they have earned. 12%, they, drops, they dropped out of college. And 6%, they changed their degree. So that just goes, that shows that, you know, even if you get a degree, you may not be able to find a use for it. You may have to find a different job. You may have to change careers or even change degrees. So before you go to college, wouldn't it be a good idea to figure that out yes. before? Yes. You don't go to college to figure your life out. You go to college after you figure your life out to say, okay, this is, what, this is my situation right now. I can use college to improve it. So there's nothing wrong with college as a whole. It's I love the idea of it. But if you do go to college, you need to be going for a skill, not a degree. For the right reason. Yes. Because unfortunately... A lot of people are said are 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 um, made to think that you can go find yourself. Mm -hmm. That's an expensive find yourself. Yeah. To go to university, and then you're going to get into um, again. Some people don't even need to be there because uh, they're going to be indoctrinated and walk away from their faith a lot of times yes. too. So, um, what we're trying to encourage you, kind of, will wrap up this portion of, of the college thing. I know there's more to talk about. Mm -hmm. But we encourage you, don't go to university to find yourself and figure out what you want to do with your life. You should do that beforehand. And if God doesn't have you specifically for that skill set, well, maybe you don't even need to go to the university. Maybe you need to go to tech, get an air conditioning degree yeah. or a license mm -hmm. or a certificate and go to work and make a really good living yeah. Uh, rather than going and spending sixty to 100000 on... I mean, think about those the 40% of those people who spend all that money on a degree and they're not using it. It's like, yeah. wow, um, that could have been spent on a down payment on a house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to touch on that a little more. I have some more statistics um, for you, so that's fun. Keep going. So um, about... So a lot of uh, about 40% of college graduates after they graduate college take positions at a school that don't require a degree. And so you can argue, well, what if they're taking a job at Burger King? Well, of course, Burger King doesn't require a degree. But also you have the other side of the coin, whereas 
they're in a job that legitimately does not require a degree. You know, it's construction or financing or culinary arts or whatever it is that they were told they needed a degree for, but they don't actually need a degree for. So you go to college, you spend all this money, and all of a sudden you have a degree that you may not use right now or use for the next however many years. If you do end up using it, you will, you know, it's 10 years down the road, and it's great that you can now use it, but you still spent, what, four years, six years, eight years, 40000 60000 $80,000, and that's just the debt. That's not the whole amount of money that you spent, which is way greater than the amount of debt that you come out with because generally, you know, college students will work during college. They'll try and pay off some of their debt, they'll, and then they work the rest of their lives to finish paying off that debt. Are you done with your statistics yet? Um, <laughs> let me check. I think so. Because we, what we want to do is give parents and uh, young adults options, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so the reason why we're talking about college is that you don't have to go down the narrative of the nation because there are some detriments to going to college as well. Mm -hmm. And so we want to give options, like we talk about tech or Bible college or like you talked about gap year. There are, sometimes it's good to just go to Airwood <laughs> for a gap year, serve, um, and really hear from God what his direction would be. And Bible college is a wonderful uh, uh, way for somebody to, to get more knowledge of, of the Bible so that they're prepared to live their life as a believer mm -hmm. in this hostile world. Or you, you do Bible college for a year or something, and then you can go uh, to university to your skill. But because so many times we see kids are not equipped to walk onto campus and have a professor look them in the face and say, you're a Christian, I don't want to hear from you. And if you write about Jesus on your paper, I will fail you. Yeah. So, so many times they're not prepared for that. And that's what a gap year does or Bible college. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, to be in a trade, you know, after that. So what we're trying to do today is give parents options and say to this parent, you don't have to believe the narrative of the nation and not sending your kid to college doesn't mean you don't love them. Yes. In fact, not sending your kid to college may mean that you love them more <laughs> because now they're pointed in A, either serving God on the mission field or in some other ministry or being a part of a trade, a plumber, yeah. an electrician, an aircraft mechanic. All these other fields that as we're going to list below in the description that Mike Rowe, <laughs> mm -hmm. we, if some of you know who he is from Dirty Jobs yes. and some other things, which we just used to love watching, yes. um, which we might have to watch some of them today because it's a rainy day. But he has an organization called Mike Rowe Works. Yeah. You put that into your browser <clears throat> and it's an organization where they give scholarships and direction for kids to be a part of trades. Yes, because Mike Rowe, as Pastor Ron just mentioned, some of some older, some people who are older or like myself who watched it with my dad, Mike Rowe, um, he was a celebrity, but he was a tradesman. He would go around to all corners of the United States, and he would go, and 
he wouldn't just interview people who did trades, he would do the trade himself. So some episodes you would see him out at a farm, other episodes he'd be crawling through a sewer. Um, some episodes he'd be wrangling animals or climbing, you know, cell phone towers. But he was viewing trades, and the point of this was to show that there is a great variety of trades to choose from that you can use and that you can make a ton of money from, sometimes even more than your four-year college degree, because I don't know how it is in other parts of the, of the country, but here in South Carolina, you know, if you're an air conditioner or electrician or plumber, you can charge me $100 just to walk into my house and evaluate the situation and then say, okay, this, 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 you're going to have to pay for and your bill is X amount of money. And those plumbers, those electricians, locksmiths, they make bank mm -hmm. because nobody else is doing it. Right. So if and you, there's a shortage of that. Yeah. So because there's a shortage and a great demand. Because, Supply and demand. Because everybody wants working toilets, everybody wants lights on, everybody wants a cool house in the summer and a warm house in the winter. You know, everybody wants to be able to get in their house, locksmiths. Because there's this demand, people who are who are supplying these these um, these jobs make good money. So trades are a, are a very good thing to get into. Micro. And I think what he did was I think what was interesting about that um, program was it shined light on a topic that other people and I don't mean to say it this way like the intellectual class, mm -hmm. Micah. Yeah looked down upon the trades. Mm -hmm. And what he did was bring the trades back up to, and this old house does that on PBS too, oh, yeah. which I love. And mm -hmm. they, they really push the trades. And there are people who are doing it in this nation, trying to get young people yeah. excited about that. In fact, I was watching something um, a while ago about aircraft mechanic again, yeah. where this uh, this young woman had come out of university, couldn't get a, in a job in where she was, she decided to go down. This was, I think it was in Wichita, uh, where they have a lot of aircraft. She went down, she got a job at this aircraft uh, um, facility and quickly loved it and rose up in the ranks. And now she's running the entire <laughs> um, manufacturing facility. Wow. Did, didn't have a degree, but she got involved with it and realized, hey, I really like working with my hands. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's how God's really made us. Mm -hmm. That, um, you know, when you work a trade, you feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah. I've put something. And I'm not saying that a doctor is not accomplishing anything no, or absolutely. anything else. Don't send me a note on here. But I think there's something to watching somebody put a wall up or mm -hmm. plumb something right, like we do at Arrowwood, yeah. and put rock down, and it's you, you feel like I've accomplished. <laughs> you feel it all right. <laughs> you feel it all right. Um, and I think that that's wonderful to bring back this option for so many young people that, hey, I can have, I can have a good living and provide for my family and be satisfied in my work and I didn't have to go into debt and I didn't yeah. get a Marxist view of life. Yes. Or an entitlement view of life. Don't you think it's interesting, Micah, that, I mean, I don't want to go totally crazy here, but um, I think a lot of what we're seeing as the peaceful protesters are college kids. Are we seeing a lot of plumbers and electrician <laughs> and aircraft mechanics out no. there? And you can get into a debate um, where, you know, you send college kids in and they're just fed these lies and then 
they think the system doesn't work because to them it didn't work for them. And so what do you expect from them? Well, they're, the way that they're approaching that is I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I've got my degree. Well, if I'm not hired, the system must be broken, yeah. not me. Well, yes, but your 16th century literature, yeah. it, you're not going to get hired by that. That's not to say that the system cannot be improved. But as a whole, your choices, you know, what were your choices to get you to the place where you were at? So this little mini segment is just college is, it, college is a good thing as it was intended. It's no longer really that way anymore. And we'll discuss more indoctrination in just a moment. But, you know, you need to, if you're going to college, you need to be going for a skill. Um, or certificates. Certificates are a, great, are a great idea. You know, at your community community college, you have a certificate for, you know, you're a masseuse or, you know, you do air conditioning. Certificates and skills are what you need to be going to college for. So the medical field, the law field, the teaching field, there's plenty of fields that are still open. And if you're not in something of one of those mainline fields, you need to also look at the smaller field, which you are considering and go, okay, is the demand great, and could I realistically right. find a job for this, right. for this degree? So what we're promoting or we're encouraging is to make sure that you take these aptitude tests. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're online. They're usually free. Like we mentioned earlier, Cedarville College. You don't even have a coaster. You're in trouble. No. Um, Cedarville College and, uh, and some of the other universities, they have this so you can take these aptitude tests and find out what you, what your personality, your likes, your dislikes, and where that fits into that career. I remember when we were at Cedarville and we were in the Career Center, and they were showing these lists of things. So let's say, Micah, you come up and this is what you like. But underneath that, and they branched it out, was like 25 yeah. different jobs that you would have never thought about. It, it was a lot. But it kind of fits in with what you like. Mm -hmm. So... I think there are so many possibilities, but if you don't have an idea before you go there, then you're running the risk of doing what everybody does. And yeah. we don't want that. No. We want you to be prepared, but we also want you to think of the other trades, and we want you to think about Bible college. We want you to think about a gap year. We want you to think, what would God, God have for yeah. me? And listen, let, let me say this to parents. Parents, have you even asked your kid what they want to do? Mm -hmm. That's number number one. And I don't want you to go down this path as a parent like, if my kid does not go to college, they will never succeed. That is false. That's a lie. And that is perpetuating this false narrative that isn't true. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing at least is that if you do that, your kid is going to be indoctrinated in the ways yes. of the world. And not always, but... Unless they are really strong as a believer and their ways, uh, then they're going to go down the path that we're seeing right now. Yeah. So, so that's just the first little segment that we want to do. Now that was the first segment? Yeah. The, wow. the second, the last segment is college indoctrination, which, as you can see, I'm smiling because it's a fun subject for me. Um, it's just a light subject. Yeah, it's just a light subject after lunch, you know, after church. Um, I do want to say, though, Something that is also needed more of in this nation that we haven't mentioned at all one bit is good public servants, not politicians, because a right. public servant and a politician are two separate things. 
a but politician. But it used to be. It like, used to be it, it everybody to be, was public service. It, well, it used to be that you went into politics to be a public servant. And then right? after, you know, 12 years in the Senate, eight years in the House, presidency, governorship, you know, mayoral, mayoralship, count, city councilman, you, whatever position you went in for, you did your one year, you did your one tenure, your two tenure, even three tenure stint, and you're out. You go back to living your life. That's how the founder said yeah. wanted it. That's why President George Washington, after two terms, even though as long as he was living, they would have wanted him in office because he was he did an amazing job as president. But he said, you know, two terms is enough for me. I'm going to go back to living my life. And everybody up into who was it? FDR. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I forget the president who went on. No, I think I can't remember the president. It might have been FDR who had three terms, even went up to a fourth term, but was failing and died. So you had a president who, who would have been in office for 16 years. That wasn't really needed. So good public servants are definitely needed. It is not a lifetime career, despite what DC may tell you. You go in, you serve eight years, you go out, you know, whatever age, whether you're young or you're old, and then you go back to living your life. You go back to working a job or raising your family. And so, it, I mean, it still pays because it's still a job. So being a public servant is, isn't such a bad thing and right. can which definitely in, be considered. Which includes today firefighter, mm -hmm. police officer, yeah, uh, first responders, mm -hmm. working for the county, the mm -hmm. city, right, in a, um, you know, in the parks department or the building department. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of that opportunity for you. Yeah. So just, you know, being a public servant, whether it's on the more physical side, such as Pastor Ron mentioned, being a police officer, which is, it's a dangerous job, but it's a job that we can all appreciate. Um, although sometimes you will be called to it, you know, sometimes maybe not. Um, but you have police officers, firefighters, paramedics, the more physical side of that. You also have senators, congressmen, you know, governors. And I would rather have a Christian conservative in yes. that position than a liberal. So expecting change to happen when you yourself are not running for it or, you know, somebody you know in your community is not doing it who you trust, it's never going to get better. Right. And we need godly people in all of those positions mm -hmm. of um, government. We just need them all, mm -hmm. from the planning department <laughs> to yeah. the county council. Mm -hmm. So um, who's going to look out for our religious liberty if it isn't us? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's good. Are you going on? Yeah. No, just into um, the pathogen of progressivism. The what? The pathogen of progressivism. Okay. The disease. Oh, the pathogen. The pathogen, yes. We're using fancy terms. These are big ones. Yes. So I want to speak about, I mentioned earlier, when you do go to college, you will experience something that has nothing to do with your degree. And I have some examples um, and some quotes that I will use during this segment. And tell them how that you've come to this knowledge before you go there. So I've done... A lot of listening um, to people like Charlie Kirk, um, Pastor Rob McCoy, Jan Markell, different um, Christians and conservatives who have experienced something like this or know people who have, and they bring this knowledge um, 
to the public viewing, to the public eye. And I've also done plenty of reading, I've done researching, as you guys can tell. So you, you do have to do your own research, and that's more difficult than it sounds, but we will discuss some of that in a moment. So I want to discuss what you experience when you go to college. Um, so I want to use the example of Isabel Brown. For those of you who don't know who she is, she is the spokesperson for Turning Point USA. Um, she's a Christian conservative, and she did go to college, but she went in the medical field. I believe she was going to be a nurse or a doctor. I can't remember exactly which. But she, um, a while ago, she was discussing with Charlie Kirk, who's the founder of Turning Point USA, you know, even in my anatomy class or... That's right, I remember that. You know, in her anatomy class or another medical class that has nothing to do with politics, her professor would still be discussing the border wall, President Trump's later, latest tweets, you know, what policy issues is he working on? And it's like, hold on a second. I'm coming here to work on a cadaver or, you know, better enhance my terminology and knowledge of the human body. Why are we discussing the border wall? And it isn't that he was discussing it in a mutual and biased way that's saying, you know, at the beginning of classes, some teachers or professors will do like, this is going on in the world, or we can have an open forum for a few minutes and just discuss this. No, it's President Trump, you know, orange man bad, <laughs> or what he's doing is so terrible. It's not an unbiased way. That would be fine because then it encourages an open forum of discussion, which college is supposed to be. It's giving you one side, and if it's one side, it shouldn't be allowed. It should be both sides, which would be perfectly fine. But you you get all this just forced in your face, and even studying to be a doctor, Isabel Brown, who is a Christian conservative, is still having more liberal leftist ideals pushed towards her. And a lot of kids in a lot of colleges do that. Um, there's actually a good resource on Turning Point USA. It's called Professor Watchlist, and it has a list of very, very left liberals who are professors right. and some of their actions or things that they have said. So you can look at that, um, and it'll list the colleges that they um, work at just to know maybe I shouldn't send them to Caltech or you know, UC Berkeley, whatever it is. But um, I noticed there was... Those were both. <laughs> yeah, those were just the examples <laughs> that I had that came to mind. Um, so now I want to discuss some of these ideas that will be forced on to your children. And um, Charlie Kirk gave a funny example. You know, he, he would have parents come up to him and say, well, my children hate me, and they now believe that there's more than two genders, and they're telling me how bad I am for voting for President Trump. And he's like, well, are you sending them to college? Well, yeah, I, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? It's like, well, no. If you send them to a liberal college and they come back and they hate your Christian ideas, well, what did you expect? Mm -hmm. You're funding this socialist, communist agenda, and then it gets spit back in your face. You, you and know. they're shocked. And you're, you're just so shocked. And I feel for the parents who are experiencing this. They might not have known that at the time. But you can't, you know, send your kids to a, a liberal college and then be surprised when they come back, you know, gay or when they come back saying what a Christian believes in is wrong or that evolution is real and these... Or the system is... is yeah, it's broken. So I want to discuss some of those philosophies that some of you may not have heard of because they are 
new-ish, but I mentioned earlier the communists in Russia sent plants into the seminaries, the colleges, and the government, the three main places that they were sent. And now in the media, but they chose to do that voluntarily. There's no Russian plant in the media, I can assure you. They don't, the media doesn't need help. No, they don't need help with that. So I, want, I have a couple quotes um, that I want to use before we get into it. So this is by Nikita Khrushchev, the former premier of Soviet Nikita Russia. Khrushchev. Nikita Khrushchev, thank you. He says, and I'm quoting, We will take America without firing a shot. We do not need to invade the U.S. We will destroy you from within. So how do you do that? Well, I have another quote that I actually have from memory. It's by George Orwell. It's to control the present, you need to control, control the, the future. And the past. Well, it goes, to control the present, you need to control the future. And to control the past, or... To control the future, you must control, control the, the past. past. So what George Orwell means by this quote, and I'm going to apply it to college, is to control the future, you have to control the present. So how do you do that? You take the kids. And so now you have these kids who have been raised for the past 60 years going to these liberal colleges. And so now they become the future. And now the future looks back at the past and says, the past was terrible. America is awful. The nuclear family is terrible. Christians are oppressive and they force their ideology and, and their dogma onto everybody else. And it's... And we must cancel that all yeah. out. Yeah. And so that's how I want you to take that quote from George Orwell. Con to, to, to control the present, you must control the future. And to control the past, you must control... Control the future, you must control yeah. the past. So let's apply that to college. So now you're feeding these kids all this information. So these kids become the future, and now they censor the past. And because you control the future, it becomes the present. So... Those are some quotes that I want to mention, and I have one more from Abraham Lincoln, who said, well, there's a much longer quote to this, but he says, at one point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected. I answer, if it is ever reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. So what he's saying by this quote, and previously in the quote, he says, you know, the, all the armies of Asia, Europe, and Africa could, could not drink from the Ohio River or cross the Blue Ridge Mountains. Destruction has to come from within the nation. Abraham Lincoln said that. The former premier of Soviet Russia said that. George Orwell gives us a quote that can kind of be, you know, applied generally to the whole nation. I'll tell you, we're going to have to do an episode just on George Orwell. Well, George, I mean, he did some things that, you know, not he good. could... Not good. But for the most part, he was, a, he was a brilliant, smart man. So, I want to talk about postmodernism real quick. And I'm sure some of you are confused. Well, what is postmodernism? So, postmodernism is this idea that nothing, that, or that everything is relative. There is nothing, nothing is concrete. So what I mean by that, there's no Newton's third law of motion that states for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. What a postmodernist would tell you is that it is all relative. I may do this, but there may be no reaction to it because it's simply relative. Um, an example of that, there is a um, professor who was on Charlie Kirk's podcast the other day named 
Gad Saad. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He's a Jewish Lebanese man. But he gave an example of one time when he went out to dinner with his one of his postgraduate students to whom he was a mentor. His postgraduate student was bringing his date with him. And his date um, had, a, had a degree in postmodernism, um, radical feminism, and um, identity politics. Brilliant woman. Um, so what, what um, this professor, Gad Saad, was asked by a student to be on his best behavior because of, you know, he obviously had very diff different views than his postgraduate student's date. And so he, he assured him, he's like, of course I'll be on my best behavior. He wasn't. Um, <laughs> and so at about halfway into the dinner, he asks this woman, he says, so I know, I know that you have a degree in postmodernism. So if I were to say to you, if I stand on anywhere in the world, is it true that the sun always rises in the east and sets in the west? And she told him, well, no, it's all relative because what is east and what is west? And then he said, well, all right. Um, what if I use something simpler, something not as tricky? He said, is it true that only women conceive children, that only women give birth? And she said, well, no, that's relative as well because in the Pacific um, West Islands, there was an island where in the mythology, the men gave birth, not the women. And it's like, well, what a ludicrous answer. That's mythology. That's myth. That's Hence not... Hence the word myth. Yeah. So postmodernism is this idea that everything is relative. There is nothing set, nothing is concrete. And as Christians, we know there are things very much concrete. There are, you know, there's a concrete law of gravity, um... An object in motion must stay in motion until it is stopped. You know, there are basic fundamental, fundamental, fundamental. <laughs> but there's also a moral law. Yes, there is moral principles that's what that we're are concrete. In. Yes, we know that. Um, you know, things such as homosexuality is a sin. Everything and that, that the Bible. And there's two genders. Yeah. And that God doesn't make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And that marriage is between a man and a woman. Yeah. And these things have been in concrete for thousands of years. Because God ordained them as so. A postmodernist would tell you that's not true. So that's what postmodernism is. There is much more to it, but at its basic, it is the idea that everything is relative. We're, we're running out of time, yeah. so you have to keep going. Yeah. So very quickly, I'm going to discuss radical feminism. Um, ladies, let me explain. So before we get into radical and feminism, his email is <laughs> not that it's out there. Um, we have to discuss equity feminism. Equity feminism before we can get into radical feminism. So equity feminism is the belief that men and women should be equal, that they have the same rights. Which, as Christians, we believe. I mean, I would be a horrible Christian in person if I believed that men should vote and women should not. I believe that. Both men and women have the right to vote. They both should be able to drive. They both should be able to choose who they marry, you know, if they want to have kids or not. That's what equity feminism is. Christians believe that. Um, Pastor Ron has often said that Christ was the original feminist because he elevated women to a place where they were not in society. So Christians, when somebody asks you if you're a feminist, say, yes, I believe in equity feminism, that men and women have the same rights. Now, what radical feminism is, it's the idea that men and women can do the same things. And 
you know, you can discuss physical and biological differences. For instance, women can give birth, men cannot. You know, there are some things physically that women cannot do that men can, and you can go all down that rabbit trail. But what radical feminism really does, it takes away the uniqueness of being a woman or being a man. It makes you no longer an individual. There's no longer inherently special or beautiful about being a woman or being a man. Because we know that a woman with a man complete each other. If you take that away, it's like, well, why would I want a woman if she can do everything I can? Why don't I just go get a man? Why don't I just go get a boyfriend? Same for the woman. Why don't I just go get a girlfriend? I don't need a man. And so it furthers this idea that it removes us from biblical principles which we so desperately need. So that's what radical feminism is. And it's also called militant feminism, which militant in front of feminism does not make it sound any prettier. <laughs> um, and lastly, identity politics. So what identity politics is, identity, identity politics is the idea that based on the color of, you, of your skin, you are placed into a category. Um, although it's messed up, because if that was true, or based on, the, on your race or ethnicity, it would play out differently, but they often forget that, you know, the Irish or the Scottish or the people in India and, you know, some Asian groups were oppressed as well, not just blacks. Yeah, they, they're trying to put everybody in a group and then um, the reason why your group isn't doing well is because of this. Because of previous events that right. have happened in history. Identity politics, I'm sure all of you are drawing the conclusion that it plays a lot into black and white, which everything, in fact, is not black and white, contrary to what the media would have you believe. Identity politics says, well, because you're a black man, you are, you are now a victim of what happened 150 years ago. And because you're a white man, you owe this black man repercussions for what who your ancestors, which yeah. for all we know, this man could be from South Africa, what your ancestors did to this black man's ancestors. That's identity politics. Puts everybody into a category, and because you're in a category, just like radical feminism, there is nothing inherently special about you. You are now just a part of the majority. There is nothing inherently special that separates you from this black man or from this white man, regardless of your color. And what I don't like about identity politics is it puts, like you just said, a group of people at a, um, a disadvantage right away. So what they just said is, because you're this, mm -hmm. you're already disadvantaged. Well, that's not true mm -hmm. at all. You're not disadvantaged because you were from this group. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we don't see that in our nation, and we certainly don't have laws punishing one group of people because yeah. of how they look mm -hmm. or their gender. We don't have that. We have, by the way, it's like uh, the, the debate I was watching, you know, r recently about this, about global warming. Do you know that we have the cleanest air and water of any other nation? Yeah. But we want to still be penalized. It, it, it makes no sense. So, if you don't have a national policy and laws against a group of people or a gender, then um, identity politics is simply just pandering to people and mm -hmm. saying you're a victim, yes. where the Bible would say you're not a victim, mm -hmm. you're an individual that has the right to make a choice 
for good or for evil. Yes. Choose you this day who you will serve, Moses said. Uh, either serve the gods on the other side of the river like in Egypt or serve mm -hmm. the true and the living God. And I cannot stand identity politics. Yes. So. Identity, identity politics is, like Pastor Ron says, it, it, it makes people victims and victimizers when that is not the case at all. Because what is actually racist is telling a black man, well, one, that you ain't black if you don't vote for me. I'll let you figure out who said that. But what is racist is saying, because you're a black man, you cannot succeed as right. well as this white man can. Right. Well, if you tell them that and they believe that, then they won't succeed. If I tell my child that he will be nothing in life and he believes it, guess what? He'll be nothing in life. Nothing in life. Same thing if you tell that to a black man, to an Asian woman, to a Hispanic man, to a white woman. And then if you tell that uh, an entire group of people that the police are hunting you down. Yeah. Then what are you going to think about that? Again, we, we've mentioned Brandon Tatum on this site before. Uh, officer Tatum used to be a police officer and uh, was born and raised in the hood and came out of that. And he said, you know, I was taught my entire life to hate the police. Mm -hmm. Not why, but don't trust the police. Well, if you are putting people in the already deficit of victimhood mm -hmm. and can't trust X, X, Y, and Z, what do you think that does for that community? Mm -hmm. And there are people that want to take advantage of that. So we, I want to shift from identity. Are you done, by the way? Identity politics yeah, I was, into voting for us because that's yeah. how we're ending our time. I was just, and we will discuss that quickly because we're running out of time. I would, I'm just going to finish this by saying postmodernism, radical feminism, identity politics are just three of the many things that your children will learn if you send them to college. Yeah. And if you don't believe us, Go to Turning Point USA or on YouTube and watch some of the videos where they go onto the campus mm -hmm. and they ask just basic questions. And then you see the vitriol and the hate that comes from these kids who are being taught this yeah. uh, anti-USA, anti, uh, and the uh, um, just the radical uh, view of they didn't do anything wrong. It's always the system that is mm -hmm. broken. Yeah. So, so that's just why I went over a few of the many things that they will learn. Um, you know, if your child does go off to college, they will experience postmodernism, radical feminism, identity politics, and so much more. So, but if they do go, we want to encourage them too. There are organizations like Turning yeah. Point. There's there's different organizations, and uh, my my wife went to. Um, the University of Davis of California, yeah. and she was able to find a church group and be a part of it, and yeah. that really helped her through the crazy of UC Davis. Mm -hmm. And without that, <laughs> I'm sure that she would have fallen into the same idea of, yeah. well, this is what um, I am now as a university student. So we encourage you to, to get help <laughs> uh, from others who are like-minded. So to wrap up the whole college thing, Micah, let's mm -hmm. do it this way, and then we'll go into our voting and end, is not everybody needs to go to college. Yeah. There are other paths. There are other trades. There is Bible college. There are gap years. There is serving. There is missions. There is missionaries around the world that uh, are in places to go and to serve Christ and be a part of that. And, you know, we're, we're encouraging you to know your talents and the abilities. Take some of those placement tests. Find out what you really want to do. And again, parents, 
don't be upset that they're not going to go to university. And I would say praise the Lord that they're not going to go there and do that and rather do something else and be proud of that. Encourage that. Encourage plumbers mm-hmm. and air conditioning and all these yeah. other trades. It's, it's like the age-old joke where the teacher points outside the classroom window to the, gar- to the garbage man and says, if you do poorly in school, you'll be just like that guy. Well, joke's on the teacher because the garbage man makes more money than the teacher and has better health benefits. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny example, but college is not the only option there is. But if you do go to college, you just have to be smart about how you do it. Make sure you go for a skill. But if you do go for a degree or a piece of paper, make sure that you'll be able to get a job or if that's really what God has for you. So, um, Okay. Voting. So uh, the nation will be voting. A lot of people have been voting <coughs> already. And there is this question, and I even got a question, that what is the duty of a Christian uh, when you've got two candidates? Now, uh, I disagree with this person who po- posted this question that our, uh, right now we have one that is um, obviously against biblical principles far as mm-hmm. um, anti, <laughs> they're against life and liberty and all these. And the question is, well, what, what happens if somebody's trying to pander to the Christians and win their vote? I totally disagree with that. I'm sorry. I don't think um, our president right now is um, uh, pandering to any Christians mm-hmm. to get their vote. I think he, uh, whether or not he's a believer or not is not the point, and whether or not I should vote for him or not the point. Remember, we're not voting for pastor-in-chief. I'm not looking for a perfect person. In fact, I'll tell you, biblically, God used uh, Cyrus. Did he not? For his purposes, Cyrus realized he was in the Bible. I mean, think about that conversation with Cyrus and Daniel. But what disturbs me is that Christians will have this idea, like I can't stand this, you know, what Mm -hmm. he does you are not going to get that. But all I know is this present administration is the most pro-life, pro-Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> pro-freedom, religious freedom, yeah. pro-protecting your own family. So I, I would just say to the Christian community to um, look at the platforms. I was yeah. trying to remember what I said a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. So we're, we're, we're voting for a platform, Micah. We're not voting for a man. Well, we are. used to. Yeah. We used to vote for that person and that. But that's kind of politics of th- those days are, I think, hopefully are aren't long gone, but I think they are long gone. Yeah. That now we're voting for this platform. And I think for me as a, a follower of Christ, it's very easy for me to vote for the guy that's <laughs> helping Israel, mm-hmm. <laughs> helping the yeah. unborn in the fetus, allowing me to have services with everybody else, pro-religion, and I mean, yeah. you know, allowing you to worship however yeah. you want, pro-protecting your family, your ability, my ability to protect my family. Yeah. And for free market, getting government, what, you're so tired that after... I was the one who got up early. So pro-free market. 
letting you decide where you should spend your own money rather than the government telling mm-hmm. you how to do it, right? Yeah. And I want to say, because I've seen this argument um, a couple times on the internet with Christians who will say, I cannot vote for the present administration. I have to vote for the other side of the aisle because he, you know, there's this, there's a passage in the Bible that says we are to take care of the young or the poor and the widowed, and this present administration is doing nothing for that. And to that I would say that But I would this, disagree with that. Well, I disagree with that, but factually it's incorrect that this present administration is doing nothing for the poor or for the young or for the widowed. Um, for the young, real quick, um, I don't think there's been an administration in recent years that has fought more against um, child trafficking, sex trafficking, pedophilia, um, as far as the poor. Our poverty level, our poverty rate in the nation was going down before the coronavirus, and now it's having to go back down again after going up. So the idea that he's doing nothing for the poor is incorrect. And again with the poor, what gets people um, into poverty is drugs sometimes. There's other things, but drugs ruins this nation a lot. Bad choices. And bad choices. Right. But I want to use this issue, this idea of drugs. Which president is fighting, which president has fought harder than this present uh, president to get rid of drugs, illegal drugs, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, all these drugs that harm people and hurt them and kill them, um, opioids. He's trying to get rid of all these drugs to protect our citizens in our streets. And for the young and the widowed, and you know, you can use the VA as an example. Um, He's he's giving more funding to the VA. He's trying to protect our veterans and help them and protect the old. So he's doing all these things for the young, the people who are poor, who are destitute. But you also have to remember, Christians are called to do that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say for the government to take care of the poor, for the widowed. It is called for the Christian, the individual, not the the government. So if you see people on the street, it's not for the government to come in and help them while the the government should help them because we should have Christians in government and they should go, I should help these people. The church, it is the church's responsibility first and foremost. So the argument that he's doing nothing for poor, for, you know, the widowed or the lame or whatever your argument is, it's false. Um, So you really can't use that to justify voting for somebody who supports killing babies. But... If you want to go ahead and do that, take it up with God. Yeah, and I think um, we really need to just continue, Micah, looking at the platform Mm -hmm. of that because um, what is the platform of this? Now, I've also had this argument (laughs) from within the church. It is, well, I'm going to vote for the worst guy uh, because I want the whole system to collapse and then Jesus will come. So it doesn't really matter. He's coming anyway. So what? That's the Judas Iscariot model, mm-hmm. which is, hey, I'm going to kind of help this out. And, and whether or not this is exactly what Judas Iscariot was doing, who knows? I'm going to help this situation. I'm going to push it in the right direction. I'll turn him in. Jesus then will go, dun, 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 and then kill all these Romans, and we'll get this kingdom thing going like we talked about today yeah. uh, in service. Um, I just think that's a poor way of looking at it because what happens if Christ does not return mm-hmm. like people think? Yeah. Um, I could have said that a couple of administrations ago, mm-hmm. right? 
but I'm supposed to occupy until he comes, which means, like we talk about Arrowwood, we build cabins. We build these things knowing it's all going to burn eventually, but we're still doing what God has called us to do. Yeah. So um, I think there are arguments in the church for voting that just don't uh, hold water and make any yeah. logical sense to me. Well, there, there's no evidence to support these claims. And I'm, and, and I'm not saying if Jesus came back, he'd vote for this administration or for this administration. But based on my interpretation of the Bible, it seems pretty apparent that th- this administration is trying to help the young, trying to help the poor. Well, I think you're helping young and you're helping our society by getting government out of society. Yes. I mean, maybe you watched the debate, maybe you didn't, but there's a candidate that was talking about getting rid of, completely getting rid of fossil fuels. Now, I don't want to be the smart one here, Micah. Uh, But that's a huge part of our economy. So, (laughs) give me one minute to play this thought out. We're creating all of these electric cars, and everybody has iPads and phones and all of this stuff. And then we want to have this Green New Deal that they Mm -hmm. keep talking about, and we're going to have renewable energy. Guys, have you ever even thought about what it takes to have power? Because I think it's pretty much all. I could be wrong, but let me just say this so someone doesn't send it out. The majority of wind power must be subsidized by the government because it can't stand it on its own feet, right? Solar isn't there yet. Mm -hmm. We don't have the ability to capture and hold power. I love how people want to have a smart car and a phone, and I say... How do you think that power is generated? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before. We, we think nuclear is a great option. But again, we have the cleanest coal-powered plants. Mm-hmm. We have the cleanest uh, natural gas plants. We, has anybody gone out and had dirty air lately in our country? Even next to power plants. Remember, we used to have a power plant down the road. Even when it was running, uh, that was during the Obama administration who wanted to get rid of coal, who... Uh, Obama had a running mate who still believes in getting rid of that and fossil fuels. It was a clean power plant. Mm -hmm. But I've been in Mexico and different places where their power plants are spewing out all kinds of crud. So we live in a country that has these technologies and clean power. But it's like, well, how how do you expect that is to be powered? So it's not feasible. So what we're looking at is a platform that says we're going to be responsible Fossil fuels are still the way that we are operating. You can't get on an airplane that is generated by wind power or solar and go to England. You still need that. Well, what about a ship? Well, I mean, if you hear some of their (laughs) arguments, it is ludicrous. It's like, again, the inmates are running the asylum. Yeah. And... (laughs) And I think it just is a really basic thing. Do you do you want to con- continue to have a dollar sixty-seven fuel in South Carolina, or lower in whatever your state is? It provides economic benefit for everybody. Free markets. I think this election is probably one of the easiest elections of all time, far as what platform I choose. And listen, if you want that platform. You have every ability to do that. Yeah. And if you're a believer and you're fine with voting for the most 
um, liberal abortionist, go right ahead. Mm. You have every right. And I'm not going to say anything against that. I'm mm-hmm. not going to judge that. You have to stand before God and say, yeah, I voted for the most liberal uh, abortionist. Or when I say liberal, I mean the ability to have abortion at any time, at any moment, and have it all paid for by you and I. Yeah. So um, I think that's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear that these people want to take your right away to protect yourself. I also think that it's uh, a no-brainer because we're sitting here. We've had church this morning, both services. We have Wednesday night. There are friends of mine in California that can't have it, and they don't even know. They don't even want to open up Disneyland (laughs) in California. How Americana can you get when you've got it operating in Florida just fine, but you can't do it there? And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about for once and for all, let's the church make an informed right decision on life and liberty and free markets. Yeah, uh, I'll give you the last word, Michael. So this, um, this roundtable chat was just to discuss college, some alternatives to it, what you do if you are going to college. Um, if you do go to college, you know, to get a skill or a degree, I would recommend probably taking a gap year, you know, save up some money, um, try and prepare for college. Although I do want to say this, um, there was a joke that I found online, and I can't really tell a joke properly because there's nobody here, but it says, the joke is, what is the most expensive streaming service right now? College. Why is it that tuition rates have not changed despite the fact that kids are on Zoom calls and not going to college in person? That should tell you that college, um, maybe that colleges might have the wrong um, ideas at heart in regards to your children. So just, you know, pray about it, do some research, consider all things. Um, You know, maybe a trade might be a better option for your child and take some aptitude tests. I've taken them and I might have to go back and find them again, but there was plenty of options for me that were trade-oriented or college degree-oriented. Yeah. But also be prepared for what your children will get at college as well. And uh, ending with, and I want to make one more point on voting, but, you know, there are SATs and there are all these other tests that doesn't necessarily, Micah, mean that you're smart Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people that aren't good test takers that are plenty smart, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in fact, we we learned recently that people that are dyslexic are actually really brilliant, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't be able to take a test very well, would they? No. So their SATs wouldn't be good, or their what other ACT? <laughs> there you go. Um, so that that isn't the measure of of how productive that young person can be in society, right? Yeah. So. Um, I want to thank you again for joining us. We went a little bit longer than, and that's probably your fault. No, it's not. Um, we want to thank you again for our roundtable chat. For those of you chiming in and, and uh, talking to us, uh, hold on, I just had someone. We need to vote, church. And most of the time, the church likes to sit, they like to sit this one out. Well, yeah. this is not the time to sit out. And again, Jesus tells us to occupy, which means live like we expect him to return 
but lived like we expect him not to return soon and then provide something for the future generation. Yeah. What am I giving you, Micah, if I don't vote? Mm-hmm. What, what am I giving the next generation if I don't vote biblically? And what, and I love how someone said this, they sent a note, what's important to God? Mm-hmm. Micah, what's important to God? Identity politics? <laughs> no. Social justice? No. No. God's in, in favor of justice. And he's in favor of life. Choose life, God says. And that's what's important. So, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Michael will end with us as I go and turn it all off. But thank you. We'll try to do one more uh, roundtable chat before the election. Boy, that will be a hoot. Maybe we'll go through a bunch of things uh, uh, for next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, encourage you to, uh, to share and to like and to hit the notification bells <laughs> and all those things, Micah. Take us out with that. Yes. Once again, thank you for joining us um, for another roundtable chat. We will continue to do these as long as you guys want us to. And so far from the several people who I get on Sunday and Wednesday telling me how much they enjoy it and how much they are earning, we will continue to do it. So thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in live. And for those of you who will watch this later on, we appreciate it. Um, May the Lord bless you and keep you throughout this week. We will continue to keep you all in prayer. And I request that you pray for this nation, pray for our leaders, whoever they will be, whether it'll be President Donald J. Trump or or Vice President Joe Biden, whoever leads our nation uh, for the next four years. Pray for our leaders, pray that they would make godly and wise decisions, and pray for their salvation, whether they are a Christian or not. We, We would hope that everybody would come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And if that's you, if you don't know who Christ is today, we'd love to pray with you, love to get you a Bible and set you in the right direction. So you could go to our website, you could give us a call or send us an email, and we'd be happy to get into touch with you. But until then, have a blessed week, and this is Micah Dozor signing out.